from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. C. Senior. Dimly lit room, deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. Hey, everybody. Uh, today, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Volodymyr Zelensky and the brave Ukrainian people. Also, the Babylon Bee, banned from Twitter. Yeah, I think they crossed the line, frankly. We'll have to talk about that. Mm, Jack, not, in no, no, favor no. of censorship, label the segment. Go ahead. It's ready. Label no, it. Not not for banning. For, I don't want anybody banned from Twitter. I think that's ridiculous. But I, I think they, uh, I think they've gone too far. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Just oh, yeah. to keep in track, the uh, Ayatollah is still on Twitter. Donald Trump is not, yes. and the Babylon Bee is not. For instance, that's ridiculous. Yes. The guy from Iran, Iran, running Iran, can say death to the Jews, death to America all day long. Trump can't be on there. All right. Big finish. Pow, pow. I'm an observer of the media, as you are. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I flip on my evening newscasts last night. It's I'm watching the evening news, like the 5.30 evening news, for the first time since 9-11, maybe? I hadn't watched one of those in forever. You're a big-time network, you mean? Yeah. NBC, ABC, CBS? Yeah. They're still pretty dang good. I mean, they've got resources that your, a lot of your cable shows just do not have. But anyway, that was pretty interesting when I tuned in last night. ABC, not only... They, they had led with... Ukraine and done like half to two thirds of the broadcast being Ukraine for the past. Is it three weeks or a month now? Is it a month now? I think it's, it's a, month a now. little more than three weeks. Okay. Yeah, twenty six days. I think I heard. And uh, last night to kick off a new week, ABC News didn't get to Ukraine for nine minutes. Hmm. They did weather in America. They did Supreme Court justice. They did something with COVID. Before they got to it, I thought, oh, wow, is the uh, are people turning away from this this fast? And I was just trying to observe, you know, is that a good idea, a bad idea? From an entertainment standpoint, not necessarily an important standpoint, because I guarantee you, there ain't freaking anything more important than what's going on in Ukraine. Nothing. As we'll talk about in a second. But um, mm-hmm. over on NBC News, they led with it and did the first good 15 minutes on it. So I guess just different strategies on uh, what they think their audience wants. Here's why. It is by far a bigger story in a, than a tornado in Texas or a Supreme Court justice that is absolutely going to get uh, approved no matter what after a bunch of grandstanding. There is a damn decent chance we are going to war with Russia. There's a real decent chance of that. And that mm-hmm. is huge, ladies and germs. Huge. I get tired of saying since World War II, but it is be by far the biggest military thing we've been involved with since World War II. Bigger than Vietnam, bigger than Korea, if we're at war with damned Russia. And that is on the table. So I'm watching NBC today, and they've got this guy on his regular guest who's a former NATO Supreme Commander. He's the guy that ran NATO. And he says... Exact opposite of Mike Lyons yesterday, our military guy. Love Mike Lyons, love having him on, think he's brilliant, but he's not the only voice out there. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that disagree with him. Mike Lyons told us yesterday, if you didn't hear it, he said, I don't think 
Uh, nukes would be a red line. Tactical nukes would be a red line. I certainly don't think chemical weapons would be a red line. That would bring NATO, which would be the United States, into this conflict. The former Supreme Commander of NATO stated definitively that nukes would be a red line, maybe chemical weapons, and certain, and maybe even cyber attacks that would bring a NATO no-fly zone and NATO troops on the ground. That's a guy who ran NATO. I gotta have he believe he's got a pretty idea of where they are in terms of things they get involved in and things they don't. Yeah, which brings us back to a really interesting discussion to my mind. When do you make it clear what your red lines are and when do you not? When is a little bit of uncertainty and mystery on the other side a good thing? And when does that uh, threaten a global cataclysm nobody wants? If you were to say, if you use tactical nukes, we will send 500,000 NATO troops into Ukraine, Mr. Putin. You are at war with NATO. Right, period. If you use chemical weapons, we will establish no-fly zone and, and let the games begin. Just thought you want to know. Well, I guess it's just like being a parent. I guess the only re- to me, the only reason you wouldn't draw that red line is because you're not sure you're willing to back it up. I was just going to say you have to remember NATO is a committee, and they are probably working very hard behind the scenes to secure the votes of everybody on the committee as to what happens if A, B, and C. So i got to admit I don't fully understand how it works. How does NATO work in terms of making these decisions? It, do the, all the countries vote? Does every does every country does every country's vote count the same? Does the United States vote yes or no count the same as some tiny little country that says yeah I think we should I absolutely think we should since they've got enough no skin in the game and they're right next to Russia. I wish I could answer that question specifically because it's a great question. I strongly suspect that in the real world, no Moldova does not have the same vote as the United States of America. Moldova, which sounds like a euphemism for woman's parts. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wish I knew that answer. Can somebody look that up? See if they can figure out how NATO makes their decisions. Um, we, ought to, we ought to start the show officially because an unofficially started show is just, you're out well, there on the edge. It doesn't count. Well, it doesn't count, and you're out right. there on the edge of mayhem. I mean, anything <laughs> could happen. Right. Civilization. Come on now. It's worth protecting. (laughs) I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, March 22nd, the year 2022. New you in 22. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin then officially according to FCC rules and regs. Here we go, beginning at Mark. Judge Jackson, I can assure you that your hearing will feature none of that disgraceful behavior. No one is going to inquire into your teenage dating habits. No one is going to ask you with mock severity, do you like beer? Oh, boy. That was worth doing. <laughs> Never forget. that The, the oh, crimes no. against no. Kavanaugh are worth remembering. Yes, yeah. we drank beer. I liked beer. Still like beer. How was that possibly? How did that even happen? We'll have to talk about that more later. Um, that speak- question I actually can answer. Yes. On whether or not you like beer? Well, no, <laughs> very much. Have you drank no, beer? Did you drink beer? The question, yes, uh, I am drinking it now. Uh, no, um, the question of how did that ever happen and become a thing? Okay, I, cool. I have the answer, but later on. Um, speaking of new you in twenty two, mm. I mentioned yesterday that my my bir- I finally got my birthday gift that I gave to myself. 
because nobody else was going to get me anything. Um, uh, Transcendental meditation is what I got myself for my birthday, and I started this four-day course on Saturday. So I'm three days in. And I got to say, I think it's actually doing something. Wow, excellent. And I, as I told the uh, instructor last night, I said, I'm very cynical about these sorts of things. I went into expecting it not to work, ready to confirm that it doesn't work, (laughs) because that's just the way I am about most things. Um, But I actually feel like it's doing something. Wow, I want to hear more about that. I think a lot of people might. Well, you know, here's here's where it sounds like a scam. (laughs) One, this thing cost quite a bit of money, Mm. this four-day thing I did. And uh, and you're supposed to keep a number of parts of it uh, secret, which sounds like um, what? Sounds weird. Like... A cult. Um, I, I don't know. Well, I'm just telling you what it sounds well, like. Well, I know. I know exactly what it sounds like. Um, but I'm doing it and I feel like I'm getting results now. I'm, you know, I'm only a few days in, but. I have tried to meditate before in my life and never gotten any results whatsoever. Found it painful to meditate for even three minutes. Just mm. painful. Um, but anyway, so I'll, I'll uh, keep you updated on whether I, you know, I know, I know people in my personal life who find found it to be life changing. That's what I'm looking for. Something life changing. You're always looking for something life changing, aren't you? Which is weird. That, oh, that, people are but, looking for something life changing all the time, but rarely does it meet up to it. The new haircut, the new car, the new uh, the new gym membership, the new diet. Yeah, I got back in the gym yesterday working with Jean Jacques, my personal trainer. Oh boy, good stuff. Just oh yeah. Don't let him touch you inappropriately. Uh, why not? <laughs> or encourage why don't him you to mind your own business. <laughs> Maybe encourage him to touch you inappropriately. That's up to you. Uh, how does mail bag look? Oh, it's very good. Oh my goodness. What does What does Jean Jacques do for, to you or for you? Oh, he manipulates me in various ways that I find painful yet exhilarating. <laughs> now we're working on strength and flexibility. There you go. Yeah. little of the one, little of the other. Then back to the one. Where I'm <laughs> it's, not... It's uh, really not interesting at all. Where I'm not hard, I want to be supple. And where I'm not supple, I want to be hard. There you Bingo. go. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> so we got all that stuff that we mentioned and mailbag and everything on the way. And our text line is 415-295-KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So apparently NATO is not a democracy. It's more like these smoke-filled rooms that they used to use to pick candidates. You get a bunch of powerful people together and talk and come out with a decision. There's a whole bunch of messy leeway this way and that way on how things Mm. would happen. So NATO deciding to go to war would be... a Everybody getting in a room and talking, and I have a feeling the United States has by far the loudest voice in that. Germany's yeah. voice is kind of loud, and France's voice kind of loud, but the United States has by far the bellowing loud voice of, we ain't doing that, or yes, we are. Right. At the same time, though, I mean, well, no is a different case than yes. To decide not to do something is a lot easier than to decide to do something. And I suspect if uh, if the U.S. did not have the backing of Britain, France, and Germany, nothing happens. I'll, I think, I'm guessing it's got to be a unanimous vote among those four. But that's a guess. What do you that think? That would be an extraordinary move to not go with the United States on something. 
extraordinary. It'd be the end of NATO, wouldn't it? Uh, not if it's in secret. I mean, you got to get the votes. You mm. got to make the case, and it's their neighborhood. Well, I've never been pushed like this before. As I was saying a little bit ago, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Could be, could end up being the biggest deal of all time. Well, right, and I would argue, I'm not arguing for myself, I'm taking a lawyerly look at this, trying to understand what the other side might be saying. Uh, they would be saying, yeah, the way to guarantee it's the biggest deal of all time is to do what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I hate to lose Ukraine, but Putin's doomed. He'll be punished severely for this. We'll rebuild Ukraine in a few years. We just don't want nuclear holocaust. Former NATO Supreme Commander said on TV this morning that tactical nukes would be a red line in which NATO would have to get involved in a no-fly zone and put troops on the ground. Wow. Maybe he's the former guy because he said crazy stuff on TV. (laughs) Again, (laughs) I'm just arguing it from the other side, just trying to (laughs) thoroughly examine things. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. So many people have described Zelensky as Churchillian lately. I thought I would go straight to the man, uh, Winston Churchill, some of the great uh, quotes he had. A lot of these are about personal development and life. I came across a bunch of lists of his greatest quotes, and you know, some are about leadership and danger and that sort of thing, but a lot were just about life, um, including this one. Uh, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up, uh, up and hurry off as if nothing happened. Oh, boy. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. It's a little uncomfortable. Uh, let's see. How about one? One more. Uh, success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. Mm, that's a good one. That is a good one. Thanks, Winnie. Appreciate the words. Mailbag. Speaking of words that are appreciated, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Have an opinion to share, something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Little follow up from Al Anonymous, whose kid goes to a expensive, enlightened California school where they announce their ludicrous new mask policies. Where sometime within the next two months, you can take off your mask outdoors. Just idiotic. Catch me outside. How about that? <laughs> there is. I can't catch you outside, coronavirus. Um. Uh, what was it Thomas Sowell said? There are some ideas so stupid only an intellectual could believe them. I'm paraphrasing. But a, a follow-up. Uh, sad story happened today. I have to untrain my daughter. This is the same, same guy who wrote us about the, uh, the school. I have to untrain my daughter to wear a mask. When she's in class, like at home, she's okay with no mask. But when she goes outside, she's aggressively adamant that she must wear, must wear a mask because being four years old, that's all she's known. My daughter has a speech pronunciation problem because of everyone wearing a mask. It has to do with hearing the sound but not seeing the mouth to mimic how to produce the yeah. sound. Uh, the teacher said in one day she saw improvement. Funny, stupid side oh. story. They oh, my to God. S- they wanted to send her to speech therapy, but the therapist was going to wear a mask to, you know, to limit the risk of exposure. Oh, my God. Oh. Everybody, the triple vaxxed, have had it already, etc. The speech therapist is going to wear a mask? You've got to be kidding me. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure I, I understand what this. What is it with you people who are willing to punish children over your weird, freaking paranoia about a disease that is no longer a big deal? What is wrong with you people? Yeah, I know. And uh, Al Nanoff is not clear. I think the, uh, uh, well, he says, you ever look at someone with a, you're an idiot 
face, and they realize, yeah, yeah, I am, and they relent. Something like that happened. So the speech therapist took off the mask, I guess. Uh, Today I'll take the small victory. And finally, here's a freedom-loving quote of the day. His dad, who is a retired peace officer, said, Common sense isn't really that common. As much as I was enforcing the law, I was preventing stupidity. I flipped on NPR last night, and they got into into the new Omicron variant and how it spreads, and people you know, are backing off these restrictions too soon. I thought, and what is going to happen if it spreads around? You know, we are still having 1,000 people a, die, a day die, which is a lot. Mm. That's 30,000 a month. But they're all unvaccinated. Their choice. I'm vaccinated. I got nothing to worry about. So whatever. Moving on, Aaron in San Diego writes, I don't understand why you guys sat there and agreed with Mike Lyons that whispering Joe shouldn't go to Kiev. It's hands down the best damn idea I've heard so far. He should go, and he and Zelensky can wait this thing out together. What's Putin going to do? Kill the president of the U.S.? No. And if something did go wrong, we don't lose much. Oh, yeah. that's insensitive. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. Um, what? Uh, no, I don't believe with that last part. Now, that's that. Uh, you can't take that point of view. But uh, I think I think that'd be a bold, bold move. Didn't Mike uh, Lyons call it one hundred on the crazy scale? Yeah, yeah, zero to one hundred. It's a one hundred on the crazy scale. Is what? He yeah, said. yeah. Or does the crazy scale go to a thousand? He didn't make that clear. <laughs> uh, we'll catch up on some other stuff. And if you miss an hour of the show, you can grab the podcast. If you hear us talking about a previous show, you can grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. To put it in an American context, Vladimir Putin had to pick one state to invade. He invaded Texas. You know, it's well armed. The people have an extreme sense of independence. And Mariupol is becoming the Alamo. They're going to be talking about it 200 years from now, the way we talk about the Alamo from almost 200 years ago. I think that Russia has deeply miscalculated, and instead of being greeted with flowers, they're being greeted with bullets. Yeah, that that might all be true, but if you if you've ever seen any of the Alamo movies, they all die in the end. Is the way that whole thing ends. And nice the, uh, to be talked about in a couple hundred years, but you'd prefer to win. Sure. Yeah, and and you know the the, the United States won uh, long term, but uh, or Texas won long term, but um, that doesn't do any good right then when you're dead in the Alamo. Right, right. That's uh, James Stavridis. He's a retired general, is that right? He was the supreme commander of NATO. Oh, he was? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, what's going on in Mariupol is uh, going to be talked about in Ukraine history forever, as these people are, are holding out and fighting the battle. Um, I think most people expect it to fall at some point in the next couple of weeks in the way that the Alamo did. But they're trying to hold them off as long as they can. And when, when Russia gets that, as we talked about yesterday, when Mariupol falls, they'll have a full land corridor to get whatever number of troops or equipment or whatever all across the south, which will be a huge deal as far as pushing north into the capital. Yeah, I just uh, learned, realized that when uh, Russia annexed the Crimea, um, they got 75% of the personnel and 70% of the equipment of the Ukrainian Navy. Now, I've got some great stuff 
Charles Kraut, Krauthammer wrote back in the day about Barack Obama's weakness on that whole thing. Oh, yeah. The whole world's weakness. You can't just put it on the United States. We shouldn't have to do everything. Germany didn't give a crap, and they're right next door. Right, right. I, I happen to see that, yeah, where uh, Vladimir Putin was making it infinitely clear what he was going to do and why. He's been working on surrounding Ukraine and planning for this battle forever. Right. And right. the world just said, oh, what are you going to do? He took a little. Coming up, a couple of th- really good things, including a description of how Ukraine's air force is uh, holding its own against the vastly larger Russian air force. Also, Kamala Harris with yet another entry into the Hall of Fame of her gobbledygook. Stay tuned for that. But back to Mariupol. Uh, this story is amazing. Those last two AP journalists who were who were there have gotten out. And That's their how bad it is, is. No journalists left. Yeah, which is a huge loss, which they explain, but their account is breathtaking. I will quote, the Russians were hunting us down. They had a list of names, including ours, and they were closing in. We were the only international journalists left in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol, and we had been documenting its siege by Russian troops for more than two weeks. We were were reporting inside the hospital when gunmen began stalking the corridors. Surgeons gave us white scrubs to wear as camouflage. Suddenly at dawn, a dozen soldiers burst in. Where are the journalist journalist for f's sake wow i looked at their armbands blue for ukraine and tried to calculate the odds that they were russians in disguise i stepped forward and identified myself we're here to get you out they said the walls of the surgery shook from artillery and machine gun fire outside and it seemed safer to stay inside but the ukrainian soldiers were under orders to take us with them We ran into the street, abandoning the doctors who had sheltered us, the pregnant women who had been shelled, and the people who slept in the hallways because they had nowhere else to go. I felt terrible leaving them all behind. Nine minutes, maybe ten, an eternity through roads and bombed-out apartment buildings. As shells crashed nearby, we dropped to the ground. Time was measured from one shell to the next, our bodies tense and breath held. Shockwave after shockwave jolted my chest, and my hands went cold. We reached an entryway, and armored cars whisked us to a darkened basement. Only then did we learn from a policeman why the Ukrainians has, had risked the lives of soldiers to extract us from the hospital. Quote, if they catch you, they will get you on camera and they will make you say that everything you filmed is a lie. All your efforts and everything you've done in Mariupol will be in vain. The officer, who had once begged us to show the world his dying city, now pleaded with us to go. He nudged us toward the thousands of battered cards prepping to leave Mariupol. Um, it was March 15th. We had no idea if we could make it out alive. Um, and then he he gets into some of the, the Russian strategy and why they wanted to take the city, how strategic it is. Um, and this is so interesting. As they were going in to do reporting, this guy's Ukrainian, but he'd been out, the, out of the country for a number of years. He said, on the way, we started to worry about spare tires. And we found a man online nearby who's willing to sell us uh, tires in the middle of the night. We explained to him and to a cashier at the all-night grocery store that we were preparing for war. They looked at us like we were crazy. We pulled into Mariupol at 3.30 that morning. The war started an hour later, which brings us back to that whole odd, surreal situation slash strategy where Ukrainians and Zelensky himself were saying, there's not going to be an invasion. And then our weird strategy is the rest of the world to say, if you invade, we'll hit you with the sanctions as opposed to punishing him like right off the bat. But some you know, may have stopped the invasion. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm Although pretty I'd, skeptical about that. I don't I, I don't think 
If you could have gotten Germany and everybody on board with the sanctions ahead of time, it might have stopped him. Because I, I don't think he expected his economy to be devastated like this. He thought he was going to be able to get a hold of that uh, two-thirds of a trillion dollars that he saved up and all that sort of thing. But you wouldn't have been able to get all those countries on board until the, the horror started. You just weren't going to be able to. You know what? I think you're right on both counts now that I think about it. But uh, about a quarter of Mariupol's 430,000 residents left in those first days while they still could. But a f- but few believed a war was coming. And by the time most realized their mistake, it was too late. One bomb at a time, the Russians cut electricity, water, food supplies, and finally, crucially, the cell phone, radio, and television towers. The few other journalists in the city got out before the last connections were gone and a full blockade settled in. The absence of information in a blockade accomplishes two goals. Chaos is the first. People don't know what's going on and they panic. At first, I couldn't understand why Mariupol fell apart so quickly. Now I know it was because of the lack of communication. Impunity is the second goal. With no information coming out of a city, no pictures of the demolished buildings and dying children. The Russian forces could do whatever they wanted. If not for us, there would be nothing. And that's why we took such risks to be able to send the world what we saw, and that's what made Russia angry enough to hunt us down. I never, ever felt that breaking the silence was so important. And then one more thing, and it's so heavy, folks, but uh, the deaths came fast. On February 27th, we watched as a doctor tried to save a little girl hit by shrapnel. She died. A second child died. Then a third. Ambulances stopped picking up the wounded because people couldn't call them without a signal and they couldn't navigate the bombed out streets. The doctors pleaded with us to film families bringing in their own dead and wounded and let us use their dwindling generator power for our cameras. Mm. No one knows what's going on in our city, they said. And now people do know what's going on in the city, and I'm not sure how much that helps you, um, unfortunately. Uh, So we've talked before about if there were a cyber attack from Russia or China or whoever in the United States, the panic you could sow, because we're all so used to being able to communicate with all of our family all the time. If all of a sudden we had no cell phone coverage and there's like planes overhead, the amount of panic that you could create would just be incredible. And that's what they did there. And then back to that uh, former NATO leader that we played earlier in the segment, he was talking about how World War II might have been completely different if uh, cell phones had been around at the time. Because it's a completely different thing to read a, you know, a line in a paragraph in a newspaper that says, heavy shelling continues in blank, as right. opposed to seeing these pictures of dead bodies and destroyed buildings and people crying and all that sort of stuff and the you know the toys in the yard of the house that used to exist and all that sort of stuff completely different than reading that heavy shelling continues in blank right well and and keep in mind if we're going to talk about world war 2 that for a very long time a period of years the full horror of the nazi regime and what it's doing were just kind of rumors and a lot of people didn't believe them. They thought it was too too crazy, too extraordinary. Uh, there were uh, certainly German propaganda efforts. There were uh, German uh, apologists in the United States uh, who soft-pedaled this stuff. And the American will to war might have coalesced a lot uh, faster oh. than it did. One cell phone video out of one of those concentration camps with pictures of those people that are skin and bones changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another comment. Darn it, it flipped out of my head. Meditation isn't helping with that. I'm still old. Yeah. I'm still quite old. A, quite a ways to go in the show. Many comments to come. Uh, we, we were just talking about before that. 
cell phone videos. Uh, this, this was an important point. Really sowing the point. seeds of panic and chaos, uh, trying to limit the images that come out of a war zone, uh, filming the dead yeah. so people know oh, what's going on. Man, it'll pop back into my head at some point. Oh, did you see the story about the guy who had survived four Nazi concentration camps? He was almost 90 years old. Four Nazi concentration camps got killed yesterday by the so-called denazification wow. of Ukraine. This old guy who had lived through all that dies at the hands of Vladimir Putin, an invasion from Russia. Absolutely yeah. amazing. You know, final note, and and I know, we got our crazy-ass emailers who will say, you guys are neocons, you're trying to drag America into war. Well, I guess you'll have to find a different radio show. That's unfortunate. Because yeah. we're not, and we're not. But Al Anonymous wrote us a note. Um, I absolutely understand everything my client said. I'm by no means an expert on military anything. However, hearing everything about the besieged Mariupol really frustrates me. Why aren't there two carrier task groups being deployed right now? One to the Black Sea with humanitarian aid, the other to the Mediterranean loaded with weapons. The Russians so much as look at the ship or equipment bringing food, water, medicine to the people that the strike force in the Mediterranean has the orders to wipe every Russian combatant in Ukraine off the face of the earth. I understand why this can't happen, but I'm tired of being the bystander. To, uh, to the bullying, shrugging our shoulders and quietly saying, hey, that's mean. Yeah, um, it's because they got nuclear weapons. That's the whole reason. And uh, But I, I definitely understand that argument. So, for instance, if, like Mike Lyons says, none of these things are a red line. But if, as the NATO command, former NATO commander said, chemical weapons are a, a red line or uh, tactical nukes are a red line, why? Why is destroying over two weeks 10 square miles of buildings and people? Or oh, two days. Or two sure, days, yeah. 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 Why is that okay? But if it all happened at once with a nuke, it's not. Or if you kill 10,000 people with you know, shrapnel falling on their head and blowing them to bits, that's okay. But if it were chemicals, no. What the, What is that? Well, there's, uh, I agree. It's, you know, there are answers. They're not satisfying answers. The chemical weapons thing, there's a worldwide ban and everybody has agreed to it. I've been, I remember saying the exact same thing when it was happening in Syria and the red line and Obama and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, we'll Well, be to the first question though. Wars that kill tens of thousands are okay. Wars that kills millions are not okay. That's the agreement. Seems to be, yeah. More or less. Um, got some uh, interesting text about meditation. I uh, can hit you with that. We got to play the Kamala Harris. There's a new Kamala Harris thing that's pretty, darn, do it. pretty yeah. darn good. And uh, a number of other things. Oh, why hasn't there been that big cyber attack in Ukraine that everybody was expecting? Jonathan Swan of Axios has some reporting on that that's pretty damned interesting. And it Love fits, John Swan. And it fits in with what the president said yesterday. All that stuff is coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's hard to believe Kamala Harris keeps bringing us delightful new quotes for her book of quotations. Chairman Mao's book of quotations got nothing on Kamala Harris. Uh, That coming up. Also, a description really interesting of how the Ukrainian Air Force has uh, held its own against the much larger Russian force. I've changed my mind. we got to send them the MiGs immediately. Send them immediately. Start training them up. They need airplanes. Okay. 
More on that to come. I was just down the hall having a high-level meeting with executive producer Hanson mm. about uh, upcoming things. You talking about me? You two talking about me? Quit talking about me. So just to give you a little background on Kamala Harris here, it's another one of those deals where she's standing up talking extemporaneously, which she is horrible at. And you would think at some point she or someone would decide she shouldn't do that. Um, I was looking at the Twitter on this yesterday before we play the clip. That feeling when your essay comes in 50 words too short and you have to add a little fluff. Yeah, that's a little what this sounds like. Nobody knows that better than me. That's when I'd throw in a moreover. That was my go-to. Moreover. <laughs> and also, um, if you walked up to Harris and said something this inane about the nature of time, she'd probably try to have you arrested for smoking pot, which is a funny <laughs> Kamala is a cop reset. But uh, here's a little Kamala Harris from yesterday. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. And she did that thing there at the end where she does the head bob and kind of backs away like, Mm -hmm. huh, that was Mm -hmm. some S right there, huh? Now you're thinking, I'll give you a little time to let that sink in. The fact that I just use the phrase, the passage of time, four times in 20 seconds, don't let that distract you. (laughs) And I still don't know what she means. No, nobody does. Wow. And again, by the way, again, uh, I I tweeted out something like this over the weekend. Somebody said, hey, you're taking that out of context, you right-wing hack. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be good here. And I went back and listened to the whole thing in context. And it was even stupider in context. So I don't know about this one. I haven't listened to this one in full context. But there's no way you need to use the significance of the passage of time that many times in that amount of time. So that person's (laughs) argument would be that the vice president is not a babbling dunderhead? I disagree. I feel like you should be doing the breaking Masters golf news. I'm not familiar with it. How how am I not getting this news alert? What is happening? What's what's happening? Because you're going to the Masters, right? I am. Okay. Well, for the first time since 1994, Phil Mickelson won't be playing in the Masters. Why? The 51-year-old three-time champion will not be playing because of some things he said about Saudi Arabia. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay, I have some significant opinions on that. I have been following that story. Okay, I don't know what he said, but uh, how did it get him in enough trouble that he can't play in a golf tournament in America? especially an independent golf tournament in America. The Masters is run by Augusta National Golf Club. They can do anything they want. It's not a uh, it's not a PGA Tour event. You don't need to know sports to follow the story. This is one of the biggest stars of the sport in the biggest tournament of the sport in America. And he, and he got on the wrong side of Saudi Arabia politics somehow? Yes, yeah. There, there's a Saudi-financed alternate golf league they're trying to get started up. And and Phil made some comments he thought were off the record to a journalist, but it, well, they were not off the record. I think it's legit. He just didn't ask for it to be, um, and, and which which pissed off the Saudis. He said, "Man, they're dangerous, scary people. They killed Khashoggi." And uh, well, he says, "I got the quote here. They're scary okay. mother blankers to get involved with. We know they killed Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all this, why would I ever even consider it?" 
because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. They may have been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. That is exactly. Str- so Go what ahead. he was explaining was uh, it's it's horrific to get in bed in any way with the Saudis, but we're going to to exert pressure on the PGA Tour to change some of their practices. And so Which now he doesn't. Everybody. And so he doesn't get to play in the Masters. Wow. Uh, I'm trying to figure out who who was the mover who 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 caused Augusta National to do that. Do we all need to come to the conclusion that there is no such thing as a private conversation anymore? That'll make us a a fun people. That'll make us a calm, relaxed. Speaking of meditation, relaxed, fun people. When we realize there's no such thing as off the record because every human being you encounter is carrying at least one recorder. That wasn't true very many years ago. You would rarely run into a human being in your daily life who is carrying a video or audio recorder. Now, every human being you run into might have three or four on them. If they've got their smartphone, their Apple Watch, and their laptop in their hand, they've got three ways to record you <laughs> Yeah, as you speak yeah. to them. Yeah, wow, I, I'm confused by this. i got to dig into this more. I can't imagine what. Uh, who are the real powers pulling strings behind the scenes. President warned of a big cyber attack yesterday. we got more details on that coming up. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty.